Dope, 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 dope. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Movie Nerds. I'm one of your hosts, Mike. My other host is sleeping because it's kind of late. But today I have a special guest on from the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast, Jeff Vita. Oh, shit. Did I fuck that up? Vita or Vita? <laughs> Vita, Vita. Vita. Jeff Vita. What's going on, Jeff? Not much, Mike. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, So I don't know Jeff. Jeff is another stranger. I just DM'd on the internet. And that's just kind of something I've gotten comfortable with is just instant messaging strangers that I don't know on the internet. Um, But he has this podcast that I didn't think existed called uh, Kung Fu Driving Cinema, where it's just literally all about Kung Fu movies, martial arts, Kung Fu movies, martial <laughs> arts, and people who do Kung Fu movies and martial arts. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I am. So, um, sorry. No, you can go on. Okay. I, I was running out of stuff to say. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for the the plug. But yeah, I uh, I do a podcast, the Kung Fu Driving Podcast, about Kung Fu and martial arts cinema, uh, TV films, whatever you have, uh, any place where Kung Fu and martial arts are celebrated. Um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s where the Kung Fu era was king for a while. So uh, I, I'm i talking about the Shaw Brothers and the Golden Harvest stuff and okay. uh, all the way through to the action movies of today with, uh, you know, from the 80s and 90s with Jean-Claude Van Damme and up to to uh, the the newer stars who are doing their thing today uh, with movies like John Wick and Jason Bourne and Atomic Blonde and things like that. So, um, and uh, yeah, every now and then uh, I get to interview some of the uh, actors, writers, directors, stunt coordinators, fight choreographers that make these movies possible for uh, for martial arts fans like us. Yeah, I think the first episode I listened to you had, I think his name was Laverne. He Lar- was uh, yeah, Larnell Stovall. Yeah, Larnell. Sorry, um, and he did some of the uh, the stunt coordinating for the new Teen Titans show. Correct. And um, I don't have the uh, the DC streaming platform. Yep. And I never really considered getting it because I already have two. <laughs> but after hearing that podcast and I saw a couple of clips from his uh, Instagram page about some of the stunts that now I'm kind of considering maybe checking it out. Maybe they, if they have like a 30 day free trial and I just been watch all those shows. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if they have that trial, but um, the, uh, the action in it is pretty intense and Larnell's a great dude. He's uh he did work for DC's Titans. He also did uh, choreography and uh, action direction for um, Altered Carbon on Netflix, uh, which uh, has some awesome fight scenes in it if you get to check that show out. Uh, uh, but he also did a, a bunch of stuff uh, for uh, some Michael Jai White fo- uh, films, like um, uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, I think, was one one that he worked on, and uh, Bad to the Bone, I think, also. But um, really, really uh, intense choreography really raw really kind of visceral stuff and i mean he does a great job with it all yeah yeah that was a uh, great interview and then 
I think it was probably last weekend or maybe the weekend before that that I found out about your podcast and then I just binge watched like seven of them in a row or binge listened <laughs> yeah. while I was putting up decorations for our little Halloween party. Cool. Yeah, I, so, uh, on Instagram, um, I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of love from uh, the podcast movie nerds. So uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I go a little ham on that. <laughs> no, it was nice. I, I love connecting with people who who love martial arts entertainment because uh, it's not as common as it used to be. For me, um, there are still fans for sure, but my podcast is a, a niche podcast uh, by every definition of the word, you know. So uh, there are there are plenty of podcasts about uh, everything else on the planet. Um, if you look for kung fu movie podcasts, you're going to find that you know a handful. You can count them on one hand. I'm pretty sure. But uh, so it's it's nice to connect with other kung fu fans. Yeah, definitely. So you said you grew up like a long time ago in the 80s? Yeah, I grew up in the 70s. I am 70s? 47 years old. So I'm not young by any stretch. Uh, oh, wow. I grew... So it's like really late for you then, huh? <laughs> it's very late for me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, 9 o'clock is very late for me, brother. But yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah I, uh, I was born in 71. So uh, my formative years were dead set in the Kung Fu era. You know, everybody was Kung Fu fighting and there was silk pajamas everywhere and uh, there were Kung Fu schools popping up all over the place because Saturday afternoon Kung Fu theater was uh, was like church for us when we were kids. Uh, that's when you got that double bill of Kung Fu movies from the Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest and uh, I was introduced to the Five Deadly Venoms there. So those are the those were the memories that made my martial arts interest uh grow and flourish back then okay i i know some of those movies you just named off but can you tell me what the what was it saturday morning kung fu saturday afternoon kung fu theater yeah yeah what is that so in uh the new york city area in the 70s the late or well in the 70s and 80s uh every saturday afternoon at about three o'clock uh, for us, it was on uh, Channel 5. It was WNYC, I believe it was. But every Saturday afternoon, they would have a double feature of classic kung fu movies. Uh, and we're talking about movies like 36 Chamber of Shaolin, Five Deadly Venoms, The Deadly Duo, uh, you know, Blood Brothers. It was all the classic, classic stuff that is now referenced in things like Quentin Tarantino's films or the Wu-Tang Clan uh, music uh, and things like that. So if you ever see the references to those old classic Kung Fu movies, I was watching those classic Kung Fu movies when they weren't quite classics yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so were they uh, pretty new then when they were coming on TV? Well, they were they were not necessarily new, but they were still uh, they were still pretty fresh from hong kong at the time okay. hong kong was churning these out these were b movies for hong kong and uh they were churning them out and uh a an enterprising uh television producer uh packaged them and and brought them over to the u.s and threw them into that saturday afternoon slot but um i don't think he realized what a um burgeoning product he had on his hands because Again, that the Kung Fu era was a very real thing for us when we were growing up. Uh, like I said, 
people were writing songs about kung fu. There were cartoons about kung fu, uh, and uh, the everybody wanted to be a ninja at one point. So you had stars <laughs> that you threw around you in your room, and everybody bought a ninja outfit. And like I said, there were kung fu schools all over the place. Uh, they would they would literally pop up overnight, and you could learn. I, I remember. Uh, trying to choose from uh, between a school that taught you drunken monk or uh, crazy monkey, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I'm sure they were all garbage, but <laughs> when <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, oh, yeah. how, how legit were those schools then? Uh, most of them were not legit by any stretch. <laughs> so they were not uh, because they were capitalizing on the, the Kung Fu craze. Uh, but uh um, they, they didn't last long because that, uh, that whole phase did kind of die out when, uh, the Kung Fu movie became the action movie and America, uh, realized what they had, uh, by packaging some, uh, bone crunching action into a picture and not really caring about story so much. And it, 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 it uh, created the action film craze. Okay. Where was all these Bruce Lee movies? At the time of this, the Kung Fu theater, uh, were they like at the height or just popping on scene or what? No, they were they were right in the middle of it all. They and uh, Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee films uh, were the the films that really uh, brought the Kung Fu film uh, to the West and made it as uh, as big as it eventually became. Uh, the the earlier stuff was was well loved obviously but the there was no charismatic figure uh in any of those movies that was as large and as commanding as Bruce Lee when Bruce Lee uh came onto the scene he made you take notice of the art of kung fu and the the discipline that it takes to be as good and as fast and as skilled as he was and uh, he captured the imagination of the uh of everybody who was watching those movies at the time if you loved kung fu movies you respected the older stuff and you loved it for sure but bruce lee brought it into living color and just blew it out of the water uh his bruce lee movies weren't the first ones to come over obviously but he made it what it was for all of those fans. It, it, there was nothing like Bruce Lee at the time. And, uh, you know, you can argue that there's still nothing like Bruce Lee. Yeah, definitely. He's got a very unique style and just a unique look and everything to him. I mean, if you see any, like, Asian person without a shirt on with baggy pants, you just assume that's, like, that's a Bruce Lee, <laughs> like, ripoff or something. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you could get your body fat down to what Bruce Lee looked like, yeah. y- you're doing well. <laughs> yeah, I remember, um, I don't know what the first Bruce Lee movie I saw was. I don't know if I saw it on TV. So I definitely didn't see it in theater. Mm. But the first one I remember, like, voluntarily watching was uh, i think it was the big boss yeah the one with all the cocaine and the yeah yeah, yeah. ice cube things <laughs> yep <laughs> and i remember i would go to this uh video store called hollywood video and they had a, a like a, a martial arts section yeah and it was it was very small but it was a bunch of bruce lee videos they had godzilla videos there for some reason and <laughs> i think they had like american ninja 
Oh, yeah. But because that guy was, like, white, I was like, I'm going to skip over this movie and just watch these Asian guys. Yeah. Or Asian guy. It was just Bruce Lee. Right, right, so right. So I would, I would just repeatedly rent that movie of Big Boss over and over again. Nice, nice. I actually didn't see the Big Boss until later, uh, but because the Fist, uh, Fist of Fury was the first one that I remember watching, and then, you know, then Game of Death and Enter the Dragon and all that. So, um, all very memorable. Bruce Lee, obviously, was uh, his own category in this whole thing, and uh, you know, the the whole kung fu martial arts film genre has had a, a couple of those uh, throughout the years, right? You had Bruce Lee, who again is in his own category then you had Jackie Chan come out where who, who brought the the comedy and the slapstick yeah. style so there's there's a there's a lot of facets just within martial arts uh which makes it so much fun to just uh uh go through all of the uh possible permutations of kung fu movies yeah definitely and i i i want to say i'm I want to say Bruce Lee was like the first like kung fu movies I was, I was watching when I was a kid. Yeah. But I do remember going to go see Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like thinking to myself like this was the coolest movie I've ever seen. And I don't know anything about <laughs> martial arts, what New York is. Apparently it's just a bunch of jerks beating up people at a convenience <laughs> store. And I guess that's how it was back then. I don't know. Um, eh, maybe, but not quite. But uh, it's funny because I think they filmed that uh, that movie in in uh, Canada. <laughs> but oh, son of a bitch, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, because oh, yeah, there's no beach like the beach that they showed in that movie that that looks anything like that in New York. So <laughs> yeah, but I think those Jackie Chan movies. I think I was so mesmerized by the fact that like the main character. Just got the snot beaten out of him like oh, yeah. all of the time. Like oh, he yeah. hardly ever got the upper hand if he like someone got the jump on him. Yep. But if he like would confront these people, like my favorite scene was when he goes to this like uh, street punk gang's like little <laughs> hideout underneath the bridge and like some abandoned building or whatever, and everyone's playing like uh, pin pinball machines or something, and then he just like beats the crap out of all these people and i'm like holy shit and he's like he's like playing with shopping carts he's like diving through the openings of them yeah and then he gets up to like the uh parking garage at the top and he rips off this antenna and starts smacking this guy in the ass with it and i'm like holy (laughs) shit are you fucking kidding me this is this is hilarious and awesome yeah and this fucking punk's getting the crap snot the snot beating out of him and I'm just so amazed by this character. He just makes like a weapon out of everything. It seems like oh, I remember yeah. after seeing those films, I would like pretend that I know Kung Fu and then I would just grab a stick or a <laughs> towel or a yeah. t-shirt and I'd be flipping it around. like it's some kind of weapon. Yeah. His, his films uh, were always so uh, amazing to watch just because of the innovation that he brought to fighting and to filmmaking uh, and, uh, and comedy. He had, all of that stuff in one, and you never kind of got taken out of the story, despite how slapsticky he would get at times, right? He, he he would do it for comedic effect, and he did it uh, very very well. And then while he's making you laugh, he's doing this crazy stunt that no normal human would do if they had a choice. But 
he would do it. He would go through a glass building. He would jump from uh, a fire escape uh, over to another building's fire escape and uh, and yeah. be completely cool, you know. Or uh, and at the same time, he would uh, he would grab a bench and jump through the bench and then over to the table, then under the table, and use a napkin as a weapon, you know, that kind of thing. So he just did so many cool things and you know that he was so skilled at what he was doing that you couldn't help but be like, oh my God, this guy's amazing and completely crazy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then like after the movie ends, they have those post-credit <laughs> scenes there yeah. where they show you all the outtakes. And I was like, I think probably the first movies I saw where they did anything like that. Yeah. So anytime I see like these uh, movies like Marvel where they have the scenes at the end, I just always think of like Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, the yeah, time yeah. Where he tried jumping out of that boat and he didn't quite make it. Maybe the first time or the first like <laughs> dozen times, or he yeah. didn't quite get out of the way of the uh, that one dude's punch and that clock yep. right in the jaw. Yep, yep. Those uh, I always thought of those uh, end credits as reasons to not try this stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when they see when they uh one of those end credit scenes they like put him in a stretcher and he's all wrapped mm-hmm. up and they're taking him off the set or whatever I'm like Jesus Christ that guy got fucked up oh yeah yeah that that one scene where he jumps onto the boat I think he he broke his ankle yeah uh, and then they had to put him in a cast and they had the uh, the sock made up to look like a sneaker so that he could do the other scenes it, it's it's insane I mean he's he has put his body through so much, and he is still going. He's actually going to be uh, in New Jersey this December. Uh, I yeah, I just got a uh, an advanced copy of the book. He's promoting a book um, that uh, will be released in uh, later in November, actually. But he's doing a book tour, and he'll be he'll be in the area in New Jersey. So I'm gonna go see him. Oh, that's cool. Actually, I remember um, being in fifth grade and we had to do a, a book, like a research project on a book or something. And I was like in the, I was, they didn't have like slower classes yet, but like sixth through like 12th grade, I was in all the slower classes. But back then I didn't know I was slow. So <laughs> they were like, all right, go find a book, read it, and then write a report on it. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went to the, the local library and I found a Jackie Chan book. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to read this book. And this book was like three inches thick and it had no pictures in it. My mom was like, well, I don't think you got to read the whole thing. Just read like maybe the first two chapters and just write a report on that. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And then I take this book to my teacher because she's got to approve everyone's books. And she kind of she picks up this book and looks at me and she's like, I think this is above your level. Maybe find another book. I was like, but I want to do a Jackie Chan research. That's funny. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jackie Chan even Jackie has Chan a, like a. Sorry, go on. No, I, I said I'm saying Jackie Chan uh, even has a uh, a song uh, that's uh, on the charts right now. I believe, right? Uh, that's recent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's pretty recent. I don't, and I, I'm old, so I don't know who did it. I'm I'm trying to look it up right now, but uh, yeah, the chorus has his name in it, and uh, like "Kick It, Jackie Chan," I think. Oh, actually, I think I have that song. <laughs> It's uh here. Give me two seconds and I'll find it. Cause I remember listening to it. I'm like, they're talking about Jackie Chan. That's awesome. So I I, I just bought that song. Uh, is it Post Malone? I think so. If it's not Post Malone, it's another rapper. Uh, 
So yeah, it's uh, Jackie Chan, oh, yeah. Tiesto, and Zayko featuring Prene and Post Malone. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So. Anyways, yeah, Jackie Chan seems to make a huge impact on everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely had a huge impact on the genre and um, on Hollywood. So uh, he finally got his honorary Oscar just a, a few years ago. Oh really? Yeah. Sweet. Um, so I never had the opportunity to watch those old old movies until I went to Best Buy, and they also had a small martial arts section. But here they had like a huge array of all those like Shaw Brothers. Yeah. But I had no idea what those were, and I was like only in middle school, so I didn't have a whole lot of money. So I was like a budgeter. And I would find the first thing I bought was like this three DVD set from like the I forgot what it was called, but something Bhutan Master Killers, I think. Oh, yeah. Nice. And so I, I went home and I watched them and I forgot what the movies were called. But one of the movies that were so bad, it was about like Kung Fu, these uh, soldiers turned into zombies. <laughs> and this one guy was fighting a bunch of like zombie soldiers. But what really threw me off was one scene, he's, like, pulling a guy in a carriage. It's in the middle of the summer. And then next thing you know, these, like, zombie kung fu fighters come out from behind the trees. And now it's winter. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're fighting. And then they're fighting. They die. Somebody brings it back to life. And they fight again. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, you got the... uh... B movie, B movie <laughs> of, yeah. of the genre, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, when when these movies were coming out uh, during that whole craze, uh, other uh, companies would jump on the bad the bandwagon and produce these really crappy knockoffs uh, just because there was such a hunger for for anything that was martial arts related at the time. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, you the 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 set you got was probably the uh, um, something out of uh, one of the countries that just kind of tried to capitalize on that whole thing. So you got some hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the be- the worst part is, is I got the other volume of the three disc DVD set. <laughs> That's how like hooked I got because it was like a $5 DVD for three movies. Nice. And what those movies were was a compilation of the movies that influenced um, the Wu-Tang Clan. So it was – there was like a uh, – uh, it's like an intro by the RZA yep. and I think the Jizza, And they were talking about how these movies influenced them and their music and this and that. And I didn't know who they were at the time. Right. So on the special features of the of these DVDs were their music videos. And it was a music video to um, the 36 Chamber. Yep. And they're all like, they got these like weird masks on and these huge swords and like on this chest and they're fighting and stuff. Yeah. And it was the other one was uh, the Wu Tang Killer Bees on the Swarm song. I forget what it was. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I had uh, the old Dirty Bastard, and he was like on the side of like a building or something, <laughs> and it was just kind of like threw me off. I'm like, what is this? But that's what kind of hooked me on to the Wu Tang Clan, and kind of hip hop from there, while also from their music referencing like other uh, martial arts movies they that they would like. Yep. Yeah. So so after I bought that third 
DVD set of those trash uh, movies. I went and got, I think it was, um, was it, I think, Lone Wolf and Cub? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Baby Card so, series, yeah. Yeah, the Shogun Assassin, I think it was called. Yep. And watching that movie, my mind was, like, blown again. Like, this is after I saw Jackie Chan. So I'm watching this guy cutting dudes up. And there's, like, upset, like, uh, just too much blood. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All this. I'm like, why is this guy just pushing his baby around and just stabbing everybody? I didn't get it. But I was just hooked. And I just watched that movie, like, over and over and over again. So eventually I would save, like, up another $7. Then I would go buy another cheap kung fu movie. And then, for some reason, Best Buy just cut that whole section out of their DVDs. So I was, like, lost for, like, seven years. It's like, where do I get all my kung fu movies from? But they still kind of had the most popular ones. They were just scattered around alphabetically. Right. So so I, I just never even bothered to go look around the store. Yeah, the Wu-Tang, um, the Wu-Tang albums, uh, all the samples that they take from the kung fu movies, uh, if you... If you like pick a sample and go find that movie. Chances are you'll get a, a good one. So you know they they pull from uh, Thirty Six Chambers. They pull from Shaolin versus Wu Tang. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Um, there's there's a couple that that are really good that they sample from. But um, Three Evil Masters, I think they sample from too. So uh, if you if you ever want to deep dive into some of that old stuff, grab uh, any Wu Tang album. Find the sample, find where they they pulled that movie from, and check it out. You'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so that's when uh, so I I went and got the thirty six chamber, and I watched that a dozen times, and then I got I think it was the five deadly venoms. Is yeah. that the one where they get there's like five people and they get like handicapped, then they like team up? Uh, no, or is that crippled masters. That's crippled masters. So that was like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen <laughs> because for some reason, these guys get all fucked up. This one guy, perfectly fine. I, th- I think he was like an educated person, gets his tongue cut out. And all of a sudden now he's a dumb dumb. Right. Because he can't talk. And so as he like meets up with the other group of, of this, uh, the cast of the movie, the other members are introducing this guy without his tongue to other people as an idiot because he got his tongue cut out. <laughs> it's like, I don't think he's an idiot. He just can't talk. And it's like, this is so-and-so. He's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's, there's uh, definitely not the most PC era. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was awesome. And I think my favorite scene, I think, from that movie where at, towards the end, there's like this huge fight and they're fighting off like a dozen people. And one guy gets knocked out. He's like a background character now. And then seven minutes later, you see him still knocked out on the ground. And then I think maybe he got knocked out in real life because he starts to get up again, looks around, realizes that they're still filming and lays right back down. (laughs) (laughs) It was all for realism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was completely in shock. That's why. Exactly. (laughs) That's good stuff. Yeah, and I just love like finding those old gems, and I would try to share those movies with my coworker because he also like, uh, he was a big horror fan, but he's also into like other B movies, just like those ones. Right. So after I saw, it, I just, 
immediately like, I went to work and I brought the DVD. I was like, I already watched this three times. You got to watch this at least two more times. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some uh, some crazy ones that you might not have seen that I, I would recommend you to watch just for the bizarro factor. But uh, um, Five Element Ninjas, if you ever find that movie, that's got some bizarro stuff in it and is considered a pretty classic kung fu film. So go check that one out. And then um, uh, Ninja in the Dragon's Den. That's one that I think you should check out just for the opening theme song alone. The movie itself is is awesome uh, for all kinds of reasons. So you should check that out too. But if you go on YouTube and search for Ninja in the Dragon's Den opening theme, uh, I guarantee you'll be humming it to yourself tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, I'll check that out then for sure. Um. All right, so that's all uh, the kung fu talk, old school kung fu talk. Wanting to talk about, so you've mentioned you've seen Fight World on yeah. Netflix. Yes, uh, I'm not. I'm not through the series yet. I've only made it through the Thailand episode, but okay. um, but excellent series, uh, especially if you just like the culture of fighting, uh, which is uh, has always been fascinating to me. Uh, Frank Grillo is a is an awesome dude. Uh, he's, uh, he's done some cool movies. I, I interviewed the director of, um, beyond skyline, uh, which is a sci-fi movie that has Frank Grillo as one of the stars, uh, alongside, uh, Iko Uweis, uh, who was the, um, the star of the raid. So, Oh really? Yeah. So that movie is, a, it's a, it's, so it's a, it's a quirky movie because it's a sci-fi alien invasion story. But uh, I love aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it it looks really good too. You should go check it out. But um, the uh, the the main good guys are Eco Uwais and Frank Grillo, and uh, that was a way for uh, the director to infuse this sci-fi alien invasion story with some badass kung fu. So um, you get to see uh, Frank Grillo and Eco Uwais and Yayan Ruyan, who plays Mad Dog in the Raid, uh, get into some. Uh, knock down kung fu fighting with these massive cool looking aliens so <laughs> god that's awesome i got after it's so it's a movie that's already out it, it's already out it's already out on uh, dvd and blu-ray uh he the director is actually working on the next film so it's called beyond skyline you should so if you find it go check it out sweet i definitely checked it out my friend had forwarded me an article over the summer that um the lead from the raid is doing a, a netflix series yes yes eco Uwais is doing a netflix series w- uh called Wu assassins uh and okay. he's uh he's going to be on that show with lewis tan who um has been a guest on my show he is uh he played gaius chow on into the badlands he was also uh uh, the uh, one of the bad guys that uh, Danny Rand fought in the Iron Fist TV show. So um, there's uh, also Catherine Winnick and Tommy Flanagan. Uh, Byron Mann is also on this show. So there's a lot of really great talent assembled. And Wu Assassins, the the pitch so far is that it's a supernatural uh, martial arts mystery series so I, I, and that's all that they're saying about this the the uh the cast is very very tight-lipped on what this story is really about but um john worth is the director and showrunner so uh 
I'm intrigued because it's another martial arts show on uh, Netflix. It should be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't get enough of that kind of action. The Raid, when I saw The Raid, I got the same feelings seeing that movie as I got when I watched like The Protector for the first time. Oh, yeah. And the same feelings I got for Protectors when I watched Rumble in the Bronx for the first time as I was just so blown away. And then this, to me, was just so original. And then each scene, you didn't think they could like push the limits, but they would push it even further yeah. and further. And when I found out they had a, they had came out with a, a sequel to the raid, but it I couldn't watch it until after like it came over to America and right. it got like dubbed and everything or whatever. That when that came out, again I was so surprised because normally the sequels usually aren't always the best, but this one was I thought was even better than the first one. Oh yeah, it was great, and it, it's it was nice to have those movies come out uh, when they did because. They brought a whole different facet to the whole martial arts film genre, right? They, Tony Jaa came out with, you know, Ong Bak and the Protector, and that was completely new, completely different. I, I had never seen anything like uh, the depiction of Muay Thai that Tony Jaa brought to the screen. I mean, Same. he was he was jumping, but it looked like he was flying, and then those impacts were so ridiculous. You know, if you you could feel your neck cracking when you when you took when people took their knee to the face. You know, it, it was uh, it was yeah. so raw and so real. And then you got a film like The Raid, uh, which highlighted Penchak's a lot, uh, a whole different martial arts. And then it was um, again something new. It was filmed so great, and the action was just nonstop and balls to the wall when he was on screen. Uh, and it was a whole another thing where you're like, oh my god, there's there's so many cool martial arts out there, and and now we're we're getting to see it on screen with films like The Raid and Ong Bak and The Protector. So, um, it it, it was always, uh, always cool to have something like that be such a revelation when it comes out. Yeah, those movies are great. My favorite scene, I think, to this day, that I just think about in my head. I've been meaning to watch The Raid too, but. I had moved to a new house last summer and and I have this I have like three box three huge boxes of just DVDs of my collection, my wife's collection, and I just haven't had a chance to go through and find it yet. But my favorite scene is when um the main character goes to prison, then they get in this huge prison fight mm. and then he's like in the bathroom and then he gets jumped by like a dozen people but he just like kicks the shit out of them <laughs> in this like little tiny stall i was i think i re, like rewinded to watch that scene like nice two yeah, yeah, times yeah. before i like went on with the rest of this like two and a half hour movie <laughs> for crying out loud oh you know what it, that reminds me of a movie that i did on my that i covered on my show um have you ever seen the story of ricky o is that the guy who punches holes through people? Yeah. <laughs> I seen it on TV, I think. You've seen- and I was so yeah. confused. Like, what the fuck was going on? <laughs> you, you've, I'm sure you've seen clips of it because there are yeah. comedy shows have uh, have taken a, a bunch of those clips and, and worked it into their bits. But um, if you if you get a chance to see the movie, I, I, I know it's online somewhere, so you, you don't have to work too hard to find it. But... Um, Take a, a a few moments to just enjoy the ridiculousness of that film uh, and savor uh, whatever drugs they were on when they made this movie. 
It's so worth it to just kick back and lose yourself in the absolute insanity of this film. And the, one of the things that's so funny about this film is that they uh, they do a lot of practical effects uh, for you know uh, some of the the really grievous wounds that go on in the film. But the uh, for whatever reason the the filmmakers didn't care if you knew that the effects were um, you know practical effects they didn't care if you knew that it was a dummy because <laughs> you'll see it and you'll see them yeah you'll see that dummy fall down and take the hit or whatever and it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious it's 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 a, such a cult film it's amazing yeah i think um i think i did watch that movie but it was i was that was at least like 15 years ago yeah and i remember thinking to myself like what the fuck is this? <laughs> this guy's heads are exploding for no reason after they get hit why is this guy in jail <laughs> exactly and uh what if you if you if you stick it out to the very end it it really just leaves you going why the hell was he in jail the whole time <laughs> yeah i have to definitely watch that one again <laughs> um oh, that's my train of thought but so this uh fight world series i had watched i well i've been watched been ah oh, shit binged watched the last i think four episodes on saturday nice and actually after i watched those episodes that's kind of like when i uh messaged you on instagram and i was like i i i need somebody to talk to you about this because i'm pretty sure this guy's (laughs) seen it or would appreciate it oh yeah because i i had my wife watch the thailand one with me i loved it saturday morning and i'm like i love that frank grillo just like gets so deep into it he's yeah. training with everybody he's trying his best to kind of like understand where everyone's coming from yeah and i think at the end i felt so like sad for this like little 14 year old kid or 15 who lost his fight at the end yep yep because their culture is just so like oh yeah tough oh yeah and that's and- the thing that was so fascinating about um the, the shows that that I've seen and again I'm I'm behind you on this but the um what's so cool about the whole fight culture it, especially for for countries like Mexico and Thailand it's not just about fighting for the sake of being good at fighting it, it's so tied into who they are as a people and and how they represent themselves the 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 boxing in Mexico it, it's not it's not just boxing for the sake of boxing. It's boxing to support their families. It's boxing to uh, define uh, their uh, culture as a, a warrior culture. You know, they bring all of that into the ring, and it it's so ingrained in what they bring to the ring that uh, there's a whole class of Mexican boxing that you know if you see it, you know it, and you recognize it because that's how they teach it, and that's what they bring every time they go to fight. And then. Uh, to go over to Thailand where it's the same thing. This whole culture of fighting is so tied to who they are as a people. And, you know, it, to lose a fight uh, for most people is like, yeah, you know, I lost a fight. I'll, I'll get it uh, the next time that I go out there, but it's not like that uh, for, for some of these guys, man, this is, this is so tied to who they are as, as people and as fighters. It's uh, it, it really was heartbreaking to see that kid lose because you're like, oh, dude, what's going to happen to you? <laughs> I know because Frank gets like real tight with him. Yeah. And then um, just fo- I just when I when I'm into something like 
I get into it and I get emotionally invested into it. Like I'm pretty sure that first episode, the the boxing episode, I think I kind of teared up a little bit towards the end where some of these people were fighting in prison yeah, and trying to yeah. get you know a better life. And then I'm watching this kid lose. He's getting walked back. And his coach is just like fucking ripping into him. He's like, you piece of shit. You fucking waste my time. You're in there doing nothing. All you want to do is ride your motorbike and spend money. And it didn't even look like you broke a sweat in there. And in the meantime, this guy is just dripping and sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eyebrows cut up. He's bleeding. He can't even walk. I'm just like, are you kidding me? And then Frank... I don't, I don't know if he knew what his trainer was saying in real time yeah, or not, but you could tell he was like kind of sad and kind of uncomfortable because even if you don't understand what his trainer was saying, you definitely get the vibe that oh, yeah. he is not fucking happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and then like I knew that these uh, Thai kids would fight really early, mm-hmm. but I had no idea like – and I knew that – over there betting on it is super normal, but I didn't realize the people calling the bets were literally in the corner yelling at you what to do and like kind of like how you can make money. At the same time, you have your corner in there cornering you yeah. in between rounds. Yeah, that was the craziest thing. Yeah, I can't say that I I would respond to any of that positively <laughs> that, that it's so many inputs uh, going on at the same time that you, I, you know it, it's hard enough to concentrate on being a good fighter but now you've got to concentrate on you got to try to filter out all this other noise coming at you yeah definitely and that music man they didn't i could tell i know the kind of music they play there and they definitely dubbed over that music with like normal people's music <laughs> Because that music is loud yeah. and obnoxious. <laughs> I go, there's this little Muay Thai gym that I go to. I started going there a couple years ago. Oh, cool. And the trainer there, his name's Hugh. He's from Thailand. And he's like this, Um, he's probably a, f- a couple inches shorter than me. And I'm only like 5'7". Mm-hmm. And he's real lean. He's probably like maybe 150 at the most. But he doesn't look imposing at all until he's like, trying to uh he's like holding mitts for you or he's demonstrating on how to catch a kick and he's taking my leg and he's like throwing it up over my head and it's like my third week there and like i have zero balance i'm super fat you are really lean and really strong and he's like showing me how he's demonstrating like this is kind of this is how you do the clinch and he gets his hands behind my neck and he's like and all you really gotta do is just turn your hips and step this way and he like basically throws me across the mat like it was nothing. He didn't even break a sweat. Yeah. And this guy was intense. So he runs class like really fucking tough. And I'm super out of shape. And he's like, all right, beginning of class, we're going to do uh, like 100 push-ups. He, and he's like, all right, there you go. I'm like, 100? I can barely do 10, man. Yeah. And he does this thing called boot camp in the summer where he just makes us run and run and run and run. And he'll make us run like Two miles is the warm-up. He's like, all right, well, now we're going to run up and down this hill for like uh, half an hour and then go backwards. <laughs> okay, after that, now we're going to go up in these steps, and then you're going to run up these steps as fast as you can for another 20 minutes. Okay, now you're going to hop up these steps. So you're going to do like a squat and jump on each step. And make sure you hit each step. That's funny. This guy is intense. And after watching this Thailand, uh, the Fightland, Thailand episode, I'm like, this makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, I understand where he's coming from now. Yeah, yeah. Even he said at, 
he said he started fighting at when he was like 14. Mm -hmm. And I think he was in this like late 40s, early 50s or something. And he's just doing, uh, he's just running his gym as like, uh, like kind of like a hobby or whatever. Yeah. Because he has his own little business. He does something. I think he's got like a Thai restaurant. Nice. Yeah. Um, the conditioning, I think, uh, Grillo, uh, mentioned it when he was doing his, uh, his, doing his training there in Thailand. He said he was, uh, he was doing some drills with, uh, with one of the instructors and he said that he was just, he was just going for three minutes and he was completely spent. But, um, that would just be like the first of several three minute rounds that the the trainers or i mean the students would have to go through before they you know take a rest and then go right at it again you know it's like so he did it for three minutes and he was completely winded but that three minutes would be, be considered the beginning of this incredibly long training session for these fighters <laughs> yeah and that's how it is the first hour it's a two-hour class so the first hour is conditioning and then as soon as you're spent and he's like all right we're gonna do 10 minutes in the bag. Now you're going to hit this bag as hard as you can and as fast as you can for three minutes. I'll come back. And he comes back in like 10 minutes. He's like, all right, break. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. That's cool, though. How long have you been taking Muay Thai? Um, I've been going there off and on for about, I think, two years now. Cool. And then before that, I started doing Wing Chun when I was 18. Oh, Nice. And I did that for about two years. And at that same uh, school, my instructor's dad, he ran a, he ran the whole gym and he had karate there. And then he had another guy teaching jujitsu there. Cool. So I would do Wing Chun and then I would go and do the jujitsu. But unfortunately, they were like at the same time in mm. the same room. So it felt kind of awkward to not go to my normal class. And I went to somebody else's class. <laughs> So I only did I only did like the traditional jiu-jitsu like a few times, but then I just kind of dedicated myself to the Wing Chun. But it got to a point where I wanted to be more competitive, and the only competitions that were like Wing Chun competitions were out in uh, at the Arnold in Columbus, and that was like only once a year. And they had these they didn't and then and they never had enough people to fill in the Wing Chun competition, so we would do the uh, was it called Shun Chow or it was like Chinese kickboxing? It was basically just kickboxing. Sanda. I th- that's probably yeah, yeah, yeah. how you say it. Yeah. But I got hooked on to that part. Sun Show probably. Train. Yeah. 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 There we go. And then um, I got hooked onto that, but there's really no like way to kind of practice the full contact at these gyms mm. or at my school with, without like kind of getting the owner kind of angry. Cause he didn't want any like that going on at his gym. Cause okay. he teaches his whole business was the karate school, this kids and family and this and all that. So I eventually left that gym and went to a MMA gym where I kind of learned a little bit of everything there and competed about uh, 10 times or over the course of like three years, I think. Cool. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not in any kind of competitive shape to be doing any kind of <laughs> anything like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not anymore. <laughs> After that, I took a good like six years off of any kind of exercise. Yeah, that that must have been great for your conditioning, though. Oh, dude, I was like, I was in the best shape of my life because I was pretty fat when I started 
Wing Chun. I lost about 50 pounds when I started doing MMA and I was competing at uh, 155. But then I got kind of burnt out because I was doing that like all the time yeah, yeah, while sure. I was waiting to go back to school. Then once I went back to school, I kind of got more serious about schooling and, and I just kind of stopped going to the gym. And pizza. And pizza. And then I gained back another <laughs> 80 pounds <laughs> until about two years ago. I, started, I found another, I found the uh, Muay Thai gym. So I've been going there off and on. And slowly weaning myself off the all uh, the uh, extra weight I had gained. No, that's cool. Good for you. Thank you. So I actually, finally, for the first time in like those four years, I'm below two thirty. Nice. So cool. Keep it up. You. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, keep it up. It is fun. It is my favorite form of like exercise to just going to the gym and like hitting the mitts. Yeah. And the bag, and even though it hurts and sometimes it sucks, it's a lot more interesting than just like weight training and then running or doing any kind of uh, yeah stuff at like your traditional gym. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And there's a and the, there's a it's such a good outlet for just releasing all that stress when you're you know throwing your hands at a bag. Oh, definitely. Especially I'm uh I work in engineering, so I'm just sitting at a computer like. 10 hours a day. Yeah. So I definitely need something. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, uh, I think we're going to wrap this up here, but I will recommend you to watch the next episode of Fightland because this, because he goes to, I think, Burma. Okay. I think is the country. And it's kind of almost exactly the same as the Muay Thai episode. Yeah. But they're kind of like building up a new sport. Where it's kickboxing, Muay Thai style, mm-hmm. except they use they don't use gloves. They just use hand wraps, Oof. which is pretty intense. And they allow headbutting, like it's a technique, like a legitimate technique. Wow! And the, and they'll show a couple of clips of a guy who gets in the pocket with somebody, and then I think he dodges a punch and then knocks him out with his head. Wow! He just headbutts him right in the jaw. It's pretty intense, but it's really cool. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm just looking at the list now. Uh, Myanmar, Senegal, and Israel is where we're going for the next three episodes. So, okay, um, yeah, yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check those out very soon. I know I, w- I want to get through this series. He's he's so charismatic too. Just uh, looking at how he throws himself into the training, um, and uh, it, it's nice to see that he's so gung ho. He's actually going to be doing a uh, American remake of the Raid. Oh really? Yeah, that would be sweet. He's yeah, he's slated to star in it. Um, I believe that's still going on. Uh, but he announced uh, that was announced a, a little while ago. Let me check my sources on that. But um, uh, and um, it, that you know could be a good or a bad thing depending on how how uh they uh they approach it. But yeah, Frank Grillo is going to be doing the raid remake. Yeah, I thought they already did an American remake of that called uh, Dread. Ah, <laughs> very good. I love that Which movie, actually, by the way. That was a good movie. I too. love it. I love it. Yeah, it's way better than Sylvester Stallone version. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's another one of those movies I saw when I was a kid, and it just went right over my head. <laughs> I, I guess it was cool. It was cool at the time for sure. If if you saw if you saw it in the theaters, it was so colorful. It was this you know it was this comic world brought to life, but. Uh, 
when you uh, when you watch it now, it just doesn't quite hold up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. A lot of those older movies, sometimes they do, but most times they don't. Yeah. Um. So right before, right, right, yeah. Last thing before we go, what I like to do uh, is rip off other people's ideas and then claim them as my own. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna do a lightning round here before we go. <laughs> All right. Lightning <laughs> round. That's a terrible idea. Where'd you rip that off of? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some weirdo I met offline. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, what are you? What would you prefer uh, in a martial arts movie or any movie? Wire work, like people flying off like the walls and shit or practical oh i like the practical i want to i want to see that hit and the spit fly and uh and all that i'd rather see that than than wire work yeah i think so i think same for me um do you have any guilty pleasure action movies so for me my example would be i love never back down oh that's a great movie though It is. I love it. But when it came out, I was hating on it so hard. I'm like, this looks stupid. Bunch of fucking rich kids fighting each other. Who gives a fuck? And then I watched it. And then I bought it. And I just streamed it the other day. <laughs> um, my, uh, There's actually one movie that uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was panned by the critics. Um, but every time it's on, I will watch it. Uh, just because I, for whatever reason, I, I, if it's on, I have to watch it. And, uh, therefore I love that movie, but, um, it's, um, the Christian Bale dragon movie, um, reign of fire. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, I think I might've seen it a long time. Cause that was that one of the first movies on DVD. Um, uh, maybe, but uh, it was Christian Bale is in it. And, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Matt, uh, oh god, I can't remember his name now. But um, yeah, Christian Bale is the star of the film, and uh, he's uh, there's this one male dragon that he unleashes when he's a kid, and it decimates the planet. Uh, and, it's, and he and this ragtag group of uh, survivors have to uh, find a way to track him down and and kill him. But uh, it's it's not a it's not a cerebral movie at all. But uh, when it's on, I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> nice um okay kid with the golden arms which is a movie i've never seen or or versus man with the iron fist the rizza kung fu movie oh man i i will always go with the kid with the golden arm against anybody now <laughs> if you yeah you haven't seen that movie that movie was one of the most influential movies for me personally. Lo Mong as the the kid with the golden arm uh, uh-huh. was a was an icon for a lot of kung fu fans, um, myself included. The kid with the golden arm is awesome. Now, I, I if you've if you've never seen it, you're gonna have a different reaction to it, uh, obviously. Um, but uh, that guy was. A larger than life superhero when that movie came out, and uh, he, it's um, it's very memorable, uh, and the the uh, the character that he plays is is also really memorable, and he's so charismatic, so great to watch on screen, and uh, I will actually be meeting him this Saturday. Oh, really? Where at? Yeah, the Urban Action Showcase uh, and Expo is a. Uh, 
is a action film uh, convention uh, showcase. There's a, a lot of stuff going on. It there's a you know like um, movie screenings. Uh, there's a 14 hour kung fu film megathon. Uh, there's a, a black uh, black exploitation film uh, marathon going on as well. There's stunt. Uh, stunt teams getting to show off uh, before uh, casting directors and action directors. Uh, it's this whole big action film uh, showcase that uh, uh, HBO and Cinemax are, are put on in uh, New York City. Uh, and they invited me to have a table there and, and get interviews with the, the people that are the celebrities that they're having there for um, as guests. So uh, the Kung Fu Driving Podcast will be in Times Square this Saturday at the Urban Action Showcase and Expo. And Lomong is uh, going to be one of the special guests for the Saturday afternoon Kung Fu Theater. Oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you uh, you've been uh, talking about that showcase in the last few podcasts. Yeah, yeah, that's I guess happening. I didn't, I didn't catch it. it was uh, you said it was posted or hosted by HBO and Showtime? HBO and Cinemax. Uh, the the guy that the guy that hosted uh, Demetrius Angelo. Um, he's uh. An actor, a martial artist. Uh, I just had him uh, on the show as well, and he he talked about the origin of the whole of the whole uh, showcase. Um, but yeah, it's backed uh, by HBO and Cinemax. Cinemax is actually uh, hosting the um, film festival, the action film festival uh, that will be taking place at the show too. Okay, that's cool, man. Congrats. Thanks, man. Getting the booth out there. I'm sure that. It's probably gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be setting up and uh, hopefully getting to talk with a bunch of the talent that's there, and uh, hopefully interviewing some of the up and coming talent that will be shaping the next generation of martial arts entertainment. All right. All right. So, uh, last one here. If you had to recommend just one of these movies, The Raid or The Protector? Oh, that's not fair. I know. That's why it's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give the edge to the raid because it might be a little bit more accessible. That And that's really all. But you're not going to go wrong with either one. Yeah, that's very true. I think I don't have to agree. The raid was just so... It's just so cool. Oh, yeah. Definitely cool. Yeah. Well, all right, man. I appreciate you hanging with me so late. I know it's, it's pretty late and you're pretty old, so you probably get to bed here pretty soon. <laughs> I'm not pretty old. I'm very old, brother. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, it's always cool to to hook up with other podcasters and, uh, more importantly, other martial arts fans. So um, it's good to meet you, and uh, I'm glad that we're part of the same podcasting community and uh, also part of the Martial Arts Appreciation Society. So thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Everybody, make sure everybody uh, go check out Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. It's definitely a fun listen. And uh, likewise, uh, I'll be sharing it so all my fans can out, go out there and check out the Movie Nerds Podcast. And uh, I'll make sure that, that that link gets out there as well. Sweet. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Movie Nerds. I hope you guys had fun. I know it's a little long. We normally do half-hour shows, but whatever. (laughs) Peace.